It's Thursday. Today is Thursday. I've brought you the greatest gift of all. Oh, yeah? Well, in that case... Entertain me! It's showtime. Make use of the help that God puts around you. We are not a glum lot. A promise is a promise. It's very simple. Just don't drink and go to meetings. Give time, time. Easy does it. I do it. Want to have self-esteem? Just do esteemable things. One day at a time. We carry the message, not the alcoholic. Don't quit before the miracle happens. Hey, we're the defective characters. Three guys sitting around talking about our own personal experience in recovery. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Dennis. Hello, James here. The opinions are our own. We do not represent any particular organization, institution, or fellowship. Today, James will be sharing his experience, strength, and hope with us. And this, episode four of the Defective Characters Podcast. Let's go. All right, James, thank you so much for uh, for hanging out in, Dennis. Uh, James, today, I guess, um, on the, the hot seat, if you will, no pressure, uh, sharing your story uh, with us. And thank you so much for doing Oh, thank you, Mike, for getting us started. Um, I always like these days sharing you know what it was like what happened and what it's like now uh, always get um a little bit um nervous about what i'm gonna say so I, I never really plan anything um but it's my story so i find that uh it comes out pretty well if i do a little prayer and invite the the spirit in if you will so just to help me out so um to get started um, I was uh, born in New Orleans. I was raised in Alaska. Um, I had a very nice upbringing with uh, parents uh, who stayed together and who loved me. I had two sisters. Um, I had my first drink. Um, oh, sorry. My name is James. I am an alcoholic. And hey, James. My- <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, thanks for uh, you guys. For you guys, let me figure that one out on my own. <laughs> um, that's good. Uh, my sobriety my sobriety date is uh, June second, two thousand seventeen. So it gives me a, a little over two years, and uh, by the grace of God, um, I have been um, transformed. So, where was I? I um, had my first drink of alcohol. Um, I was in the fourth grade. I remember um, I was with a couple friends, and we found a bottle of Goldschlager on top of his parents' refrigerator. So uh, we all decided to take some and go on a bike ride. And I remember the feeling of floating and just feeling weightless as I rode my bike down the dirt hills in Alaska. And... That was a, a feeling that I would come to chase over and over again. I didn't become an alcoholic in fourth grade, but uh, it was the first step in many of becoming a true alcoholic. I, um, I had uh, other issues with alcohol. We'd, we'd steal Jack Daniels bottles. We'd find older kids to buy us bottles, and then we'd go on campouts and just get pretty wasted. That was um, junior high, uh, freshman year in high school. When I was a soft uh, junior, I moved to a a smaller town in Alaska 
and I um, I met some new friends there, and it was a small town atmosphere, and everyone it seemed like drank. At least the people I gravitated towards. Uh, I maintained pretty good GPA, um, and at that time I discovered um, grass marijuana, and that was part of my everyday life and drinking more on the weekends. Um, I would definitely drink a lot on the weekends, but I'd be ready to go on Monday for school. Um, School ended, and that summer I had to decide where I was going. So I decided to go to Miami, Florida, Uh, 18 years old, and I left to go to art school. I went to go get my bachelor's degree in computer animation. And I didn't know it at the time, but I do not like working on computers very much. I love to draw and I love painting, but I cannot be in front of a computer for very long. Uh, I learned that the hard way. So uh, while I was in college, I discovered that I was on my own. I could drink whenever I wanted. I had a, a fake ID. So... You know, at 18 years old, I was buying alcohol for everyone in the dorms. Um, I uh, discovered other drugs, as you might uh, guess, uh, in Miami was full of them. I'm sure they are everywhere, but I was enjoying everything. Um, I graduated college, um, barely. Uh, towards the end, I was getting C's and D's, so um, I didn't. I wasn't doing my best, and I got a job uh, in a restaurant to pay for school. And when I graduated, um, I didn't really have any plan, and I did not pursue what I went to school for. Uh, so I stayed in the restaurant industry, which was at the time uh, full of partying, fun. I, I didn't really want the party to stop. And so, you know, I struggled. Um, I would make enough money uh, to pay my bills. And then everything else I would use for alcohol and drugs. And that was my life, you know. Um, it was just eking by. Um, I used drugs and alcohol uh, to fill me up because I didn't like just being still. I didn't like being in uh, just in the moment. I, I always had to be doing something. My mind was racing and I I regretted things I did and I, I didn't know what the future hold held. So um, after a while, I, I met uh, a girl and we got together. She partied like I partied. Um, she liked to go out all the time. Uh, we ended up getting together and after a couple of years, in 2003, um, she got pregnant and my first son was born. 
and this was an absolute blessing. Um, but at this time, I was uh, pretty deep in my alcoholism. I was drinking almost every day. Uh, I would find a, a reason to drink. Uh, if I got in an argument, I'd drink. If I was sad, I would drink. Uh, if I wanted to celebrate, I would drink because that's what I knew how to do. That's what gave me comfort, drinking. Um, but there was a lot of things that I was doing that, you know, wasn't what a new father should be doing. I wasn't always present. Um, I was always arguing. Um, and I, I just, I couldn't escape this, this feeling I, I had. I didn't know what it was. I would soon find out that I just, I had a hole inside my soul and I was covering it up with drugs and alcohol. So after a very big fight um, with this girl, who's the mother of my children, I, I was like, fine, you know, I'll, I'll go to AA. And I looked up on my computer where there was a meeting and it wasn't too far away. I don't remember going and I ended up going to this meeting and I sat down the guy gave me a big book and he told me to keep coming back. And I was like, okay. Um, I didn't think much of it. I started reading the big book and I, I could see a lot of similarities. Um, of course, in my mind, I was like, ah, I'm not that bad. I don't know if I'm really an alcoholic, but I, I, I went to a couple more meetings after that, but I would never truly stop drinking for a while. Um, a couple years go by. I, I'd usually go to a meeting when things got really bad. Um, my, the girl would tell me to, the mother of my children. I call her that now because we have uh, since broken up, but I'll get to that. Um, we, um, three and a half years later, she got pregnant again, and my second son was born. And um, by this time, um, my, my ex, she had been, um, she'd been in a car accident. And she was prescribed painkillers. And she introduced me to them. And I was immediately just hooked. And at first, she would give them to me freely. And after a while, I was taking more than her. So you can uh, see how that could be a problem. Um, soon, you know, after a year, she would she would go to the doctor and get them prescribed and she would hide them. And no matter where she hid them, I would always find them. I would make it my mission to scour the house looking for these because I needed to have one. Um, before a while, she would keep them on her all the time in her purse. And I would wait till she turned her head and go in there and find them. You know, it says in the, the big book that we would, sometimes steal from our light our wife's slender purse and that was me i'm not proud of it uh, but i was very sick um 
in 2008, um, my second son was one and um, I had found a whole bottle and she had hid it um, in her mother's bedroom and it was like an extra bottle. She didn't know that I had found it. So every day I would break into her mother's bedroom and steal two or three, whatever. And then, you know, after a month of this, she finally went and got them. And there was like just a couple left. And she freaked out on me. Um, I freaked out. Um, What happened next was I went to a rehab in Miami and it was a it was a long rehab which means three months and I, I was just willing to do anything at that point um, kind of scared I was working two jobs at the time I just left both jobs I didn't tell them I was leaving anything I just kind of left and <clears throat> I took a pair of some clothes and I went to this rehab in Miami um, treatment center. And um, I brought five pills with me into the treatment center and I took them all the first night. And they checked me in and I was there. Um, Meanwhile, she was at home with my two boys and she was just praying that I would get better. And that's where I truly learned what recovery was, uh, this whole new lifestyle. But for me, nothing had really sunk in yet. When I was at rehab, it felt like summer camp. It felt like a break from life. Um, uh, But I I did go to meetings every day and I I learned a lot. Um, After a month of being in there, I got a pass to get out. And um, when I got back to the house, I instantly started looking for the pills again. And I found some and I brought them back with me to the rehab, which was not a good thing. I um I never got tested for the when I got back which they usually do because if they would have caught me I would have been kicked out but I ended up taking these um I was high for that whole week and then I got and I passed after 3 months I got out of there and they gave me a certificate but it wasn't a real certificate cuz I was a phony um After I I got out of rehab, I went to a halfway house, which was not too far away from where uh, my ex was staying with the kids. And I ended up getting a job um, working as a life coach, which was kind of ironic. Um, But I I did this job uh, where I was helping people who really needed help. And I was actually pretty good at it. Um, and during this time, I would try to stay sober, never really being able to, um, I would always keep taking these pills or drinking, 
when I couldn't get them. And this would go on for another four years. I ended up moving back in with the kids and my ex. And finally, she couldn't take it. And <clears throat> she left. And I was on my own. And that was devastating. Um, it was just horrible. But for me, it wasn't enough to stop drinking and doing drugs. I used it as a time to do whatever I wanted, which I did. And I, um, I was still working at the time as a life coach in downtown. And I was, I was drinking every day and I, because I didn't have access to my ex and her pills anymore, I kind of weaned off those. So at that time it was just mainly drinking. Um, after about six months, um, I, I met a new girl um, who drank like I drank. And that girl later became my wife. And um, we are still together. And we are both sober. But it was um, a good three and a half years of just destroying my life even more and you know watching each other just destroy our lives um but um i eventually got fired from uh, my job as a life coach which i did for six years and at that time i was you know with my my wife and um, we were living together she moved in after a month, and um, we were partying almost every day, um, and drinking just got worse and worse. Um, we met a girl who was also a drug dealer, and she um, was there whenever we needed anything, so any extra money would go to drugs and alcohol. After a while, uh, we got evicted from my apartment and we were living in hotels. Um, we didn't have enough money to pay for the hotels, so we would have to borrow money from people. And <clears throat> it was very hard and very degrading. Um, when I'd have my kids on the weekends, they would have to come and visit me in a motel. And they would ask me, Dad, why, why are you living in a motel? And it's like, oh, it's, it's just for a little bit, guys. Don't worry. At least it has a pool. Um, you know, it was very sad. And I remember my, my little guy, you know, he's, um, he's 12 now. But he would, um, he would say, Dad, can you, can you not drink? And I would, whenever I would stop at the liquor store, I was like, Dad's got to get his cough syrup. That's what I would call it. Pretty soon they realized it wasn't cough syrup. 
Um, but <laughs> it's so stupid. And um, they would ask me, like, Dad, please, please don't drink. You know, if you drink, then you're just going to sleep all day Sunday. And I would get cranky and I would, I would yell at them, you know. And all they wanted to do was play with their dad and just have a good time. Uh, this went on, you know, as I said, three, three and a half years. Uh, we, um, my wife and I ended up moving to West Palm Beach from Miami and we got a job together at, uh, at a new company and I was doing graphic design work and she was an administrator and we were trying to get the company off the ground and we had a couple bosses and they would get money to pay us but sometimes they wouldn't pay us so it was very I don't know precarious situation if you will because we didn't know when we were going to get money and after a while we were staying at the one of the manager's apartments and we got evicted from that place too and we were back in a motel and the, our boss was helping us pay, and he basically came up to us and he told us that uh, he could not pay anymore. So we were, we had all our stuff in storage. Um, we were staying in a motel. We had nowhere to go. So this was, this was just crazy. I was like just drinking 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 the hotel we were at was right next to a liquor store i was waking up at 6 30 in the morning standing outside of the liquor store waiting for it to open and just couldn't i would get as as much alcohol as i could i was getting the little bottles i couldn't even make it back to the hotel room i would stop behind a bush on the side of the road and drink because i I just couldn't I couldn't deal with this life anymore. Everything was just crumbling around me. And I, I was so sick. I was so upset. Everything I had done, I just burned to the ground. My life was a sham. I just felt this just demoralization. It was not a happy camper. Um <clears throat> So, during all this time, um, I would um, I would go to this this guy's house. So I would drive about an hour away back to Miami to get drugs to go with my alcohol, and I whatever drugs this guy was giving me, um, it was. It was, had some kind of effect on me that made me a little paranoid and a little crazy because my mind was going absolutely mental. Um, I was going in and out of states of psychosis. And then I was just piling alcohol on top of this. So during one of these episodes, I, um, I had um, kind of an awakening where I was being transformed but I didn't know it I uh, <clears throat> I started uh, my wife was with me in the hotel 
I, I started just um, having all this remorse for for my life and everything I've done since I was a little child. You know, just like stealing watches and being a bad kid. And I started spewing all this stuff out. And um, in a sense, I was doing an AA, what you call a fist step. But I was doing it um, with with all my heart. And before I would, I would go through the steps with a, a sponsor, but I would never, I would always omit something. And I, would, I just didn't really care. I was like, ah, this won't work for me. So while I was going through all this, I just started bawling and crying. And I was so scared. You know, what, what God would think of me and what everyone else would think of me. But I let it out. And um, afterwards, I felt a, a lot better. I'd say a little better, but I felt a lot better. I felt relief. But I was still waiting for, you know, the police to barge in and arrest me. And I, um, I realized that I was okay. That everything I did was in the past. And I was truly forgiven. I I asked my um, my wife if she would go to a meeting with me, and I told her about AA, and she just she looked at me and she said, "Yeah." And uh, we ended up going to a meeting, and that was on June second, two thousand seventeen. Um. About a little bit after I got sober, um, I found out that I had uh, a blood clot. And I don't know if it has anything to do with my drinking, but a clot got lodged in my my left lung. And it was slowly, my lung was slowly dying. So I was having trouble breathing. I couldn't sleep. And... I was hospitalized for five days. They put on blood thinners and I was also anemic and all this was going on. Um, when, right when the guy, our bosses said that they weren't going to pay for it. So we ended up, um, picking up our clothes and our three little animals. And we drove up to Orlando, um, because we were going to drive all the way to Nebraska. That's where my parents lived. And my parents are like, all right, well, you guys can come and stay here until you work everything out. Um, but it turns out when I got here, my blood thinner medicine was gone. So I had to go back to the hospital. And I was there another five days here in Orlando. And I got new prescriptions, and that's when um, my wife's parents, who live here in Orlando, um, said that we could stay here until we get our lives in order, which was an act of God, I know, and just very, very, very kind spiritual people. And that was uh, two years ago. Um, Since then... Um, I have um, 
I took my medicine for a year and I have not had a blood clot since. Um, during that um, spiritual experience that I spoke of, I've never had the desire to drink or to do drugs since then. In the past two years, um, sometimes a thought will come into my head, but it's, it's quickly replaced by thoughts of no remember how that used to be. And I don't, I don't travel down that road inside my head. Um, it's, it's truly, I've truly been given uh, a miraculous gift um, that the craving that I had was taken away. Um, and it's been replaced by a loving God. Now, that's what, ha- that's what it was like and what happened. What it's like now is my favorite part. Because since I've been sober, I have found my home group, um, Celebrate the Morning in Celebration, Florida, where I still live. And yes, I still live with my in-laws. And we have a wonderful relationship, all of us. They're completely aware of my wife and I's status, um, how we go to meetings every morning and how we have learned to deal with our alcoholism and live in a peaceful world where we can help others. And by sharing my story today, it's my hope that maybe just one person can relate and know that there is hope. Um, you know, I, I was in and out of AA for 14 years before I finally had a spiritual experience that was profound and enough to give me a complete psychic change. Um, Thank God I didn't end up in jail. Thank God I didn't die or be completely crazy. Um, For some reason, I was spared uh, on those regards. Um, And because of everything I've been through and I have now found the solution, I can share about it. Um, My typical week, um, I go to a morning meeting every day at 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. So that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And I am there almost every day. Even when I don't feel like going, I go. And um, I got a sponsor. And I started working the steps right away with my sponsor. Um, He taught me to meditate on day one. He taught me what I need to do to clear my mind before I even begin to meditate. Um, And he told me that I need to pray. He said, I don't care what you pray in, what you pray to, as long as it's not you. He's like, there's a higher power out there and it sure ain't you. So you need to start praying because your life has become unmanageable. And I did it and I have been doing it. And since that time, um, I was able to complete the steps in about six months. I started making my amends. Um, I'm making living amends to my children 
I'm making living living amends to my ex um, through paying child support and whenever she needs anything um, I just send her money right away I'm there for my children um, who are 300 miles away mind you but I made it a point to go and see them every month every month I go down to Miami and I stay there for the weekend and we have a wonderful time or I'll come or I'll go down there and I'll bring them back up here and We'll have a long weekend. I see them on holidays. I call them every day. I help them with their homework. Um, I got to say, it's it's a little hard being away from them. But in a way, I'm more here for them now than I ever have been. And that's truly uh, by the grace of God. Um, I've learned... Through being sober, patience, um, I've learned to respond instead of reacting. And I have a lot of peace in my heart. I have a lot of God in my heart. Um, I was able to find um, lots of friends who have gone through the same situations as me. And it seems like all my friends now um, are in AA and they're in recovery. And they were once like me, but they've gone through a transformation and they've come out the other side and they see the beauty in life. Um, I've truly been awoken. And now that, now that my eyes are open, it's it's hard to go back. I don't see how I can go back after what I've seen. Um, I truly believe that there is a God, and He is He has helped me in my struggles. I believe that He's always been there, and He's never left me. And sometimes, if I'm having a bad day, I can just look up smile, say a prayer, and I know he's there. Um, I've had two sponsees since then that have helped one. Uh, he's still sober today. He's got a year. Um, I have another sponsee. Um, we got to step four, and I haven't heard him for a couple weeks, so... We'll see what happens. Um, but I continue to, uh, when anything is ever asked of me in AA, uh, I try to always say yes. Um, and I found that one of the best things I can do now is do things that I don't want to do when I know they're good for me. And doing things especially when I don't want to do them. Because that is an excellent way for me to grow. Um, and I'm very loving today. And I try to do service by chairing meetings and speaking whenever I'm asked to. And I don't know. I, I'm truly amazed by my, my new life. 
and that's all I got, guys. So I hope you uh, you got something out of that. I love you. Thanks, James. Thank you so much, James, for your uh, your story. There's a heck of a lot that I could identify with, uh, specifically when you were talking about when you first uh, were were drinking, and you would only really do it on uh, the weekends. And I really wouldn't get into to too much of your life and get in the way of your uh, your school when you started uh, using and, and drinking, um, saying that you had a pretty good uh, GPA, but then would really turn it up on the weekends. And I think, uh, you know, speaking for myself and some of the meetings I go to, that almost gets in the way of what people think of um, when they try to character them, characterize themselves as an alcoholic, because then they look at it and they go, well, I don't drink during the week, so that can't be me. And it almost actually uh, hurts you. And which is why when people think of what an alcoholic is and binge drinking, if it's just on the weekend, they think they have it under control. I know I did. Um, you know, you, you also spoke on how, um, you know, no matter what, it didn't matter what it was, there would always be an excuse to drink. And that's something I learned and have to agree with that every good alcoholic finds an excuse, you know, whether it's good, bad or otherwise, um, you know, any day that ends in Y is is good, you know. So identifying on that and also scouring the house to get, uh, you know, pills you were talking about. There's many times if there's anything with alcohol in it, um, you know, I would I would find, which is why when I stopped drinking, I made sure that if it was even NyQuil that had alcohol in it, we didn't have that in the house uh, because I would look at it and say, okay, well, if this, ha- this has alcohol in it, I, there's a good chance that I'm going to misuse it. And I, I didn't want that. Um, and then the, the last part that I could really touch on, the, the health issues when you're talking about your blood clot, um, you know, I know towards the, the end of my drinking run, my body started breaking down um, and my Achilles flared up to the point where every month, month and a half, I couldn't even walk on my right leg. And I was only in my late 20s. And people were like, why is your body breaking down? Why is all this stuff happening? Um, and I know the, the blood clot was towards the tail. I think you said when you're drinking um, and, and using was pretty much done, but it was right at that point. I even had a... Um, I forget what it's called now. It was like a blister on the bottom of my foot that ended up growing. And they had to like a planter's ward, if you will. And they actually had to dig it out of my foot because I couldn't walk on it. And they couldn't figure out why this was. And, you know, it's all these telltale signs that, uh, you know, should whether it's when you're still drinking or not. It's like these are these are things that it's pretty, pretty good sign that you probably shouldn't be doing this anymore. And, uh you know, I'm grateful that some of those moments and the ones that you spoke on uh, kind of got us to that point. So that's just some of the ways I can identify with you, James. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Uh, and Dennis, how about you? Um, yeah, I appreciate you sharing your story, James. Um, yeah, I think uh, one thing that stands out to me, because I, I know you a little bit, I've known you for like two years or so, is... Uh, you know, oftentimes in, in the rooms and people that we meet and stuff like that, they meet you and they, 
you know, you, you seem like you have such an easy time with recovery. Like you just came in and you got it, you work the steps and now you, you do it every day and live it. But hearing your story, it really goes to show like, um, all the stuff that you went through and how you were exposed to AA and recovery and you kind of knew about it, but didn't commit to it until you had an experience that, that, you know, set you on the right path or whatever. So it just goes to show like that you're not ready until you're ready. And that, uh, oftentimes people like see what we, what we have become or like the way we're living now and have a hard time imagining that like we've gone through the same types of hell that they go through when they're early in sobriety. So I think like telling our stories the way that we do kind of helps remind us more, but also illustrates, you know, what we were like and that we've also gone through a lot of the same struggles that everyone goes through. Um, I also want to touch on like, uh, you mentioned your children and uh, how bad you felt by not being a part of their life or like going to the liquor store and stuff like that. And I, uh, you know, I'm close with you and your family and I've met your children several times and stuff. And I think it's uh, the way that you are with your kids and the way that you are a part of their life. Like you can tell how much it means to you, but also how much it means to them. You know, like every time that they're with you, they're smiling, they're happy, they're having a good time and they love you and you can see that. And I think it's a, a testimony to how you live your life now. You know, you mentioned you, you make a living amends. And uh, if you would have continued on the same path that you were on, you know, that relationship would not be there. And the way that you're making amends to them is every day by being a part of their life. And I think that's a very noble thing that uh that you do you know um also you mentioned like going to nebraska and i find it always funny that like in sobriety we also we often look back and like try to think of like how did we get to where we are and all of these little circumstances and coincidences and stuff all lined up to put us to where we are and um you know you i came into the rooms very like you know dealing with my own issues and very messed up and stuff like that and I often credit like the fellowship of AA in the rooms of like helping with my recovery immensely and stuff and I think you're a big part of that because like a couple of weeks after I came into the rooms you came to Orlando and sat next to me and over the last two years we've become really close friends and like you've helped me in my recovery a lot so like i could only imagine like if you were to stop by celebration or orlando and like move on to nebraska and i wouldn't know you now how would like <laughs> my recovery have been now you know who knows but i'm very grateful that you are a part of my life and that you do you know live the life that you live because it benefits everyone around you so thanks Oh, thank you, Dennis. Very kind words. Thing. I think. I think. Uh, just to speak for all three. Uh, well, uh, at least Dennis and I to, to James. I appreciate the the bonds that we all share. James' uh, current sponsor is my current sponsor as well right now. Um, and was he was he your uh, your first sponsor in um, celebration, James? 
Yes. Um, yeah, he was definitely, he was actually, um, recommended by another fellowship partner. And I took the suggestion. I was like, okay, I've heard him speak. I like him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Th- those suggestions are, and if I can, um, now that we officially, we officially have uh, a pretty impressive logo and James <laughs> talking a little bit about the graphic design work that he's done. Um, you know, all three of us are creative in different fields with Dennis being writing and film and, uh, James in his own right, uh, some of the graphic design work, you're going to see some different logos posted up, uh, as well for defective characters. And those are all done by James. Um, so, you know, if you're looking for any tips, I would say, uh, and you're listening to this, you can definitely, we'll, we'll give you several ways you can reach out to us. Um, because, uh, James is very impressive as far as graphic design and I'm sure has some tips to people that want to learn some more about that. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. So, yeah, well, I appreciate you guys uh, a lot. Uh, defective characters will have a new episode every single week, uh, as well as, uh, someone either sharing their experience, strength and hope with us or a topic. That uh, will hopefully be able to help out a newcomer or some, maybe somebody struggling through, or a great way to remember how it was, uh, you know, for us as we kind of go through this life of recovery. But we will be back, uh, another special guest sharing their experience, strength, and hope with us in episode five next week. We're defective characters in closing, entirely ready to have all these character defects removed. Remember, don't quit until that miracle happens. And see you next time. Bye.